Peace be to this house. Peace be with all that are in Christ Jesus, our blessed Lord and Savior. Amen. In the history of our great nation, Independence Day already faced an internal conflict. When the first July 4th fell on a Sunday in 1779, celebrations were moved to the next day, July 5th. Such became the tradition. But as you know, honor for the past and religious room for God is in low demand these days. Yet only 12 years after our national independence, the First Amendment in 1791 gave first place to something deeper than the concept, do whatever you want. It reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The founders planned on the diversity of religion to be freely spoken and lived out. More than government showing respect for Sunday kind of thing, it was to leave open the tension of beliefs between people to be shared. That could be very offensive. But frankly, my friends, that is independence. An ancient saying still remains even to this present day. Familiarity breeds contempt. This is not about dismissing the need for relationships. But familiarity can threaten them a great deal. Knowing someone or something too well can lead to neglect, disrespect, or even hostility. As we celebrate Independence Day, how has being familiar with freedom that we've all been given turned against us? Turned against the primary concern of religion? St. Mark, in our reading today, sets up a big contrast. Jesus comes to his hometown and does very little there, while the 12 disciples he sends out and they do a lot. Those in Nazareth missed out. Familiarity bred contempt of unbelief in a big way. Not being able to see beyond earthly life meant no room for the gospel. The fullness of God's grace is the honor of heavenly treasures freely given for any in Christ Jesus. Jesus freely came to his hometown. This event of return happened later in his Galilean ministry. He didn't do it from the start. He wasn't homesick or something like that. No, by now, the Pharisees and the leaders from Jerusalem already had run into him, and they didn't like him. His disciples were called and following him, and so were the crowds. In such a height of his earthly ministry, you got to think about this, think it through. Nazareth, a village of about 400 people, and a fair distance from Capernaum, was not a glory. There was no pressing need to. 
that demanded his presence compared to others that came to him like last week, Jarius, for his sickly daughter. Jesus freely returned to Nazareth. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. Plenty know returning to their hometown, if you've ever had to do that. When you return home, it carries blessings and burdens. Things have changed. You're different. But one unique thing about relationships with family and friends is when you come back home, they always seem to return to a basis of what we already know about each other. And so you can pick up from there, as they'd say. Except when Jesus returned home, he was actually no different. He was still, as he was, fully God and fully man. This meant his 30 years in Nazareth, you have to think about it, held a life where he made himself of no reputation. One way or the other, there was nothing big to say about him from his hometown. The change came, though, when earthly relationships now stood before his public ministry to preach God's word of the gospel and all that he would say and do. Jesus dismissed the familial life to share in the synagogue that day, how Isaiah, that was the text they were using, how Isaiah's messianic words were honored right now, right there in their midst, as St. Luke records it. This freedom by Jesus became an offense. How quickly did astonishment turn into accusation of, of all places that is hometown? The questioning, you hear all the questionings, where, what, how? So they were trying to wrap their minds around someone they had written off a long time ago. They give good reason for their unbelief. He did carpentry work, nothing more. Mary is that quiet mom who sits in the corner. She's not really involved in the PTA. I mean, look, his siblings. Unlike welcoming famous figures that still today give popularity to a small town, right? Good for tourism. Nazareth wanted nothing to do with Jesus. What God had told Ezekiel, what you heard today and others in the Old Testament, Jesus summed it up. A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Since the conception of this country and independence, freedom came with the promise of religious presence in anything God. And yet, being at home with the gospel that has been so freely preached and acted upon in our society has led to familiarity breeding contempt. Everyone still seeks after good works. I mean, we all want to be good people, but people will say. 
But here you go. Seen that. Because the prophetic word is the offense. Because it calls us to repent. Repent as being sinners and to believe in the gospel, to believe in Jesus. And so our Lutheran fathers during the Reformation explain it well in the Augsburg Confession. This is what happens when the gospel of sins forgiven and God's word fall on deaf ears. You want to know what happens? It's nothing new under the sun. They write, instead, human nature seeks and trusts in human help. So when there is no faith and trust in God, all kinds of lusts and human intentions rule in the heart. This is why Christ says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That is why the church sings, lacking your divine favor, there is nothing in man. Nothing in him is harmless. The church will be at home with Jesus as he comes to us by grace or lost to this culture. The family is going to hear God's word for life in Christ or be your own demise. The state denying freedom of religion will fail as God for all dependency. A few still freely received the benefits Jesus gave. Israel had felt the outcome of their denial of God in the past, but Christ did not come to entice by miracles or force belief in the gospel. And he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. It was nothing glorious. But the redeeming fact is his healing hand came to some. And he carried on teaching the message of salvation. Such rejection did not stop Jesus. If people say, as you've heard, Teams have a home court advantage. You say that, right? What a disappointment for Jesus in his hometown. However, he was far more than a prophet. But born of the Virgin Mary, he is God in our flesh for humanity. His aim came to redeem familiar earthly life that we think we know so well. To redeem it with compassion built on the blood of his perfect sacrifice that covers a multitude of sins. This truth of salvation by God would leave none out. And so above Jesus on the cross, you know what was written in love. 
Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. So even when Nazareth didn't want anything to do with him, he dealt with Nazareth in the best way he could by his death so that they would understand his life for those he loved, those he lived with for so many years. Our country has become a kind of Nazareth, holding God in contempt in his word. But you are the few blessed by the Jesus gifts. The gospel is not our claim to strength. It never has. Even when I know faith produces good works, that's the good thing. But the miracle belongs to God being at work by his grace. That's the miracle. The good works are just the fruit. God's doing these things out of his gospel, out of his way of forgiving sinners like us. St. Paul told the Corinthians, you heard today, how grace is the bigger gift. He said, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What kept driving that man forward? Not merely for what he did in the past that needed forgiveness, but for a future to completely keep going when every kind of persecution was against St. Paul. The power of Christ rested upon him. Forgiveness. A future built by a foundation on Jesus, blood and righteousness. Familiarity does not need to breed contempt. It can honor heavenly treasures of God freely at work. And we can do that, and we've done it in this country for a couple hundred years. And as we freely honor those treasured gifts, there's forgiveness of sins. There is the way to silence death that does dishonor our lives. And also undoes the devil. Even the Declaration of Independence does not carry such an eternal freedom. As noted by Oxford, the original document had 56 signatories whose names were initially kept secret for fear of British reprisals in the event of American defeat. They weren't so bold, were they? as we want to think. They backed off and knew this was a gamble. I'm glad they did it. But look at this. Earthly freedom is a struggle with sinfulness and brokenness and never ends. Only the faithfulness of God keeps freedom truly open by the gospel, always for you, always for good, always because of Jesus. In contrast of rejection, Jesus sent out the 12. And their success, they were doing so much, and it came because of his commission and authority as the Savior in the Lord. This greeting of peace continues from the church. Christ and his word goes before the daily lives of his baptized you to many others. 
The fullness of God's grace is the honor of heavenly treasures. And thank God we have them in this land. And they are for you and any in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen.